SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks so much, Greg. Well, it's five minutes after six, and welcome to this SAFM Market Update with myself, Gugulatum Fupi. Do SMS us. We will be taking your questions tonight on 34701 with the keyword market. Each SMS costs two rand, or alternatively, you can tweet us at MoneyWeb. But before we get into the nitty-gritty of the show, let's go into your business news headlines this evening. Now, South Africa's freight rail company Transnet and the Development Bank of China have signed an agreement on financing the upgrade of local rail and port networks. It says that the pact will ensure cooperation and localization of equipment manufacturing. This will also provide for collaboration on research and development initiatives, manufacturing and marketing, and the construction of cross-border infrastructure throughout the continent. We also saw shares of local mining firm Sibanye Gold rose by nearly 2% at one point today after the mining firm announced that it had paid down half a billion rand of its debt from cash generated from the first quarter. The firm's current gross debt is now at 4 billion rand. And some good news for our neighboring country because the Zimbabwe Stock Exchange, the ZSE, now has a web portal that will allow local and international investors to access comprehensive information on companies that are listed on the boards. Others forms part of a number of new regulatory initiatives by the ZSE to allow online information submission for improved interaction between the equities exchange and listed companies. As we turn to the markets now, the JSO share index has closed up in positive territory by about a third of a percent at 40,253 points. The rand's at 9.25 to the US dollar, 13.99 to the pound and 11.90 against the euro. Gold currently trading at $1,600 an ounce. A barrel of Brent crude oil at $108 and the platinum price at $1,559 an ounce. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, we're joined by Simon Brown right now in studio of Just One Lab to share his analysis of the markets. Simon, not too bad a day today locally. Uh, the JSOC index up by about two-thirds of a percent. Uh, what was your take? Good evening, Gugu. It was a good day. Uh, again, good volumes going through. We had that yesterday, but uh, we sneaked into the red at the close on the back of, of weak resources. Uh, led by banks today, again, relatively broad buying. Uh, yesterday was industrials, today was banks. We, we saw the, 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 the resource stocks green. Uh, absolute big winner. ShopRite on the move again, and the retailer ShopRite back at around 182 on decent volumes going through. So a, a broadly positive day in the market. Certainly shaking off some of the worries um, and I think perhaps taking some of the, the, the shine from the BRICS summit happening down in, in Durban. Mm. This is all the RAND coming back ever so slightly and I take it that was on uh, some relief on the Cyprus bailout? Yeah, the, the RAND, I mean, it, it kind of stuck around that sort of 920-ish level. It might pop out to 930 again. That seems to be its, its comfort zone. That certainly was helping the market. That suggests money was flowing in. Uh, the BRICS is, is a fairly, uh, as, a, as, a, as a grouping it's important, but it, it, it's almost half the population of the planet, which means a lot of people are currently mm-hmm. looking at you know, South Africa and Durban in, in particular. Uh, that's focusing attention in, in that space there. Gold uh, dipped back below 1600. Some of the gold miners were having a, a mm-hmm. bit of a tough day. You mentioned Sabania in, in, in your intro there. They did fairly well, up almost 3% on the day. Let's touch on some 52-week high uh, stocks now. MediClinic up again for a second day in a row, if I'm not mistaken. The likes of Bidvest, famous brands, I'm not mistaken, on the back of that deal uh, of turning tender yesterday. Uh, we also see Discovery, Omni, as well as Mondi PLC. 
and, and that list is almost the same as it was last night. Uh, yeah. So many of them are there again. Discovery, a, a, another high there. Omnia, famous brands, uh, not surprising, trading in, in the mid-80s. Another really, really clever deal from uh, Kevin Hedewick. Um, shareholders have, have, have long loved him as as, as Previously, the COO, now the CEO of, of uh, Famous Brand. MediClinic doing uh, very well. Netcare lagging a bit, and that, that, that's surprising. But MediClinic certainly having a, a fairly good move at the moment. Uh, back to Discovery. I mean, they're just a, a mm. stock that, that's done incredibly well. They've gone into the top 40 index for the first time. They, they're probably going to stay there. I can't see them falling out anytime soon. They, they innovate. They disrupt. They generate great profits. They're never cheap, but it's one of those stocks like Richmond. Every time you look at it, it's expensive. Look again in six months. It's more expensive. expensive. Let's take a look at Supplement Pro. They published their results this morning with a 30% increase in revenue, but headline earnings per share, diluted headline earnings per share, falling by about 32%. Seems like another tough year for that company. Yeah, it, it wasn't a very good set of numbers from them. I also, there's the, the offer from Sipla India on the table. So I think if there was anything that they weren't sure, should they or shouldn't they perhaps write it down or take it through expenses, they probably erred on, yes, let's spend it, let's you know, knock the results a little bit more. But in short answer, surprise. I mean, if you go back a year ago, they really were flying. But we've mm-hmm. seen it with Lita as well, who've had a, 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 a very, very poor set of results um, about three weeks ago or so. The smaller guys really struggling on the top end Aspen doing incredibly well and of course Adcock Ingram done not much but Bidvest he was on your list of 52 week highs there um, making that move on Friday to take a a 60% stake in Adcock and that share price has done absolutely nothing in uh, two years Taking a look at those three companies you mentioned Supplement Pro Adcock Ingram as well as Aspen which of those three might be your stock pick? I I own Aspen in the Momentum portfolio but I've got to say if I were looking to buy now I think Adcock because they've managed to do exactly nothing since they unbundled into in 2008 from Tiger Brands. The share price was literally sideways in, in the last two years uh, before the announcement on Friday from, from Bidvest. The way Brian Joffrey structured the deal, he will leave you with 40% of Adcock. And make no mistake, he has every intention of making his 60% significantly more valuable and you'll go along for the ride. So a company that's underperformed for, for close on five years now, you've now effectively got Brian Joffrey batting mm-hmm. for your side. If I were looking to buy a, a drug manufacturer, it would be Adcock and from a drug manufacturer to master drilling, apparently this company is a leader in a raised boring market as well as in specialized drilling for mining and exploration firms, giving an indication as to what their results might look like. They listed just a few months ago in December mm. actually on the 20th, a rather odd a, date. A very odd date. <laughs> very, okay? uh, but they, uh, they profit up by about 10% and revenue increasing ever so slightly, by about $5 million. Yeah, so th- they essentially do drilling, exploration and the like on, on behalf of companies. And this is what you're seeing a lot of mining moving towards, contracting out. So Protect does a lot of it. For a lot of the construction companies, Marion Roberts was, was doing the mining on behalf of or contracted in to do some of the mining for, for Implex and the like. Um, and you look at that and you think, oh, mining, you don't want to be involved mm. in mining, except that they are a global player. They, 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 they're listed in South Africa, they've got business in South Africa, but they report in US dollars and they are all over the place. They're in South America, uh, they're in uh, Middle East, they're in uh, East, Eastern Europe, they're in uh, Asia. So they really are a global player in, in that sense. And the technology that they that they've got is, is very, very niche. But if you, if, if you need it, they're the folks you go to. So I, 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 they popped up in sense this morning. I had missed them listing on the 20th of December and no excuses. I wasn't, I wasn't watching. On the but <laughs> now having seen it, it's an interesting stock I want to keep an eye on. Very, very illiquid. Not a lot of transaction going through. But it, it certainly piqued my interest. 
We'll keep our eyes out on that one. Let's take a look at Alert Steel. They're expecting to see a slight improvement in losses made over the last financial year. Your take on this, firm? Ooh, I mean, they've had so many comings and goings and, 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 and bad news running through them. I think the best sign probably is that the founder came back on board, which means that he's happy with how the company's looking and obviously the direction in a sense. Steel industry's having a tough time. You look at anyone from, from BSS Steel, uh, Arsenal, Mittal, and they're all having a very, very tough time of it. I wouldn't be jumping into any, any steel stocks right now, particularly those that are, are as Alert Steel's had major uh, boardroom and, and, and stakeholder shakeups and, and, and all sorts of shenanigans mm-hmm. going on. Let's take a look at Coal of Africa. They've managed to sign a deal with a Chinese coal-producing uh, coal firm looking to draw uh, on the Asian company's expertise as well as technical skills. I guess that's something brought about again by the BRICS um, community there. Yeah, and they had a, a, a big unveiling, which I imagine probably happened in, in Durban this morning. It's, it's, coal of Africa is interesting. They've done a, a lot of clever deals. They, they ship their, their coal through, through Grinrod's Maputo port. Um, they, they, they've, they've got done a, a JV with, with a, 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 a a trader, a trading company in order to get rid of the coal. Where they haven't managed to get things right is get the coal out of the ground. Mm. Now, partly that's been their Vela mine, which has been beset by, by uh, issues around uh, environmental issues and the like, and all of that. That's been challenges. But they've had issues with water licenses, with mining licenses. So they've done one half of the equation well, but the important half of the equation, mine the coal, they've so far largely failed to do. Will the steel make a significant difference? Uh, short answer, no. I think some of their problems are, are bigger than just technology and expertise and skills. It's important and it's useful, but it certainly wouldn't make me rush out and suddenly think that Cold of Africa is, is, is a new player. We've got a, a lot of small players in the space, but I mean, if you look at the, the coal requirements for Madupia, I think it's something like 54,000 tons a month for some completely crazy number. You want to get coal, you go and buy Xara. Nice and easy. They've got the contracts. They make it work. They know what they're doing. Despite the unrest that we've seen there recently. <laughs> Look, at the moment, the unrest has been pretty much only everywhere. They had some, it was, it was shortish, it was a small number, but I mean, don't, it, it was, uh, it's never good regardless of size and, and, and the like. Um, and they've got iron ore, which, which I'm, uh, I'm not massively bullish on, on iron ore. But certainly they're, they're the, the best management team. They've got humongous assets and when someone wants 54,000 tons of coal a day they're not going to phone one of the small bit players they're they, they going to phone the Xara Wayne, uh, Wayne, Simon, excuse me. Let's take a look at uh, Kiro Holdings. Uh, that share price up by about 7% today. Uh, I take that on the back of the rights issue. They got the green, the green light to go ahead with that today. Yeah, I mean, you've got a hats off to Kiro. They've been listed for, what, maybe two years. They've managed to do three rights issues in the time. They're quite clever with it in that they go to market and say, we're thinking about a rights issue, and then you can gauge market response. And the market went up when they said they were thinking about it. In other words, well, then let's do it. Raising another 600 million, uh, really bo- uh, boosting their, their, their balance sheet, putting them in a very, very uh, strong cash position. They need the cash. Uh, schools are expensive to build. They, they are buying as well. Schools are expensive to buy. They've got their teacher training college. My, my concern is that the valuations are asking a lot of Kira. I appreciate that education is, is, is absolutely critical. People would probably, families would do away with, with insurance policies mm. before they, they didn't send their kid to the best school that they can afford. I absolutely understand that. But they, they've got so much good news priced in. And my biggest concern is that they keep on changing strategy. They came to market saying we were 
provide schools for the, not the high end, but the sort of middle income groups, but private education, slightly bigger classes, and we will build our way to 40 schools. Then they went on a buying spree, and they bought at the low end, they bought at the high end, now they're doing a teacher training college, and and maybe it's opportunity, and, and you don't knock an entrepreneur who sees opportunity. My concern is that the rich valuation, coupled with perhaps a, a, a company that, that, that that's too easy to go in direction, mm. that, that to me brings some risk coupled with that high valuation. In comparison to a company like Advertech, which has been in the industry for quite a while, and as you mentioned, has quite a solid uh, business outline uh, compared to Curo. I understand Curo's uh, market cap is currently at 4.3 billion rand, Advertech, on the other hand, which is the big brother in the game, that market cap currently had 2.9 billion rand. <laughs> Advertech had a disappointing set of numbers, particularly in their tertiary space. Not all of it their fault, but a consumer under pressure. Tertiary is expensive. There are ways you can do tertiary. Uh, the government colleges and the like were much cheaper and the like. Uh, I think Frank Thompson and his team will, will very much get it right. They've got multiple brands across income groups. They've got the, the uh, uh, recruitment service, which is the kicker there was one day when we find our economy booming again it will boom again I don't know when um, that, that recruitment service is just going to start printing money and it, it's a much lower valuation it's delivering it's got a clear strategy it's certainly my pick heroes you're, 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 you're highly speculative it, it, yeah, I, I, I thought it was overpriced at 8 Rand. I was fundamentally wrong now at 16, and I'm still calling it overpriced, and I'm probably still wrong. But I think Advertech is, is much much safer, much better valuation, got the track record, got the distribution, knows what they're doing, got the track record of having done it for years and years and years. Simon Brown is with just one lap. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, over the last few weeks, MoneyWeb's investigative journalist, Julius Cobbett, has been able to unfold the details of one of the biggest possibly uh, permit schemes in South Africa, one called Defensex. Now, this investment opportunity has lured thousands of South Africans into believing that they could earn returns of up to 2% a day on an initial 100 rand investment. Now, following the revelation, the revelation rather, of such great returns, the Western Cape High Court froze the company's bank accounts, including that of its owner, Chris Walker, who's the founder and only member of this company, which also goes by the name of Net Income Solutions. In studio now, we're joined by Julius. Julius, uh, walk us through what Chris Walker had to do today. I understand after the, the freezing of the bank accounts, he basically had to go to court and appeal this and uh, obviously made some statements. That's right, Gugu. It's, it's his turn to tell his side of the story. And he's now um, he's been accused of running the business of a bank, not necessarily of a Ponzi scheme, but of a bank. And he's now come back to the court with an affidavit to say, uh, this is not the business of a bank. But he hasn't uh, put people's minds at rest as to whether it's a Ponzi scheme or not, and he hasn't really explained how he's paying this great return of 2% a day. So absolutely no explanation as to how your 100 rand can grow into 150 rand and later 200 rand in, all, in a space of, what, 75 days? Yeah, it's, it earns for seven, 75 days is just the amount, the time that the point lasts, but it basically pays 2% a day. And there's just no explanation. And as you know, that, that kind of return is unrealistic. If we could all make that kind of return, none of us would have to work. Mm. But what happens now, Julius, after he's made his representations today, how long do we have to wait for before the, the, the courts respond to this? Yeah, look, it's an ongoing process. What the court has done now is it's said we're going to carry on freezing the accounts until uh, June 5th. Uh, Chris Walker is going to have a chance to file some more information which he's, uh, he's going to do that soon. 
and then the uh, he's going to do it by April 16th, and then the Registrar of Banks will reply to him by uh, May 10th this year, and the account will remain frozen until June 5th of this year. And for the investors who've pumped their money into such a scheme, we all know that Chris Walker quite, has quite a strong following and people have basically sung his praises. What happens to the guys who have their money in this? Do they lose it? Do, is there a penalty or do they just have to wait? They have to wait. Um, you know, wh- one thing we don't, we, we know there's 320 million rand in the account, which in theory should be spread among the so-called investors. But what we don't know is how much money is actually owed to investors. It could be 320 million, it could be a billion, it could be a lot of money. But, uh, you know, I think they're going to have to wait a long time to find out what's happened to their money. And we, we don't actually know how much money they are owed. Julius, you've written a, quite a myriad of stories on uh, pyramid schemes and uh, companies of the like. Uh, just how prevalent are such uh, investment opportunities in South Africa? They, they seem to be quite prevalent, but... Few are as big as this one. This is a really big one. We think it's quite a bit more than 100,000 members. And obviously to get 320 million rand in the bank, is, it's a lot of money, especially when you consider how much money was flowing out of that bank account uh, every month just to pay investors their 2%. Uh, any updates on some of the stories that you've written? Uh, maybe some red flags for potential investors who might be listening tonight as to what they should look out for? Well, it's, it's, it's a old adage, but if it's too good to be true, it usually is, and that really is probably the single defining feature of a Ponzi or Pyramid Scheme. Julius Covert is with MoneyWeb. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, the fifth annual BRICS Summit is currently taking place in the city of Durban with more than 5,000 delegates from Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa having descended on that city to work on ways to boost relations amongst the emerging markets. Now, lots of talk has uh, gone around trade relations, partnerships as well as training with regard to manufacturing, among other topics. The two-day conference officially got underway today. My colleague, Jeanette Clark, is there. She joins us on the line now. Uh, Jeanette, I'm pretty certain you must have had a very busy day, plagued with several issues. Not only were you wet and cold this morning, but you nearly missed out on a free lunch, I take it. <laughs> uh, well, Gugu, it's uh, quite interesting that you mention it. Um, it was a very early uh, start this morning, and some of the media were indeed left outside the accreditation centre in the rain until they opened uh, a bit late. I think it was like two or three hours late. But in the end, we were all um, in the, the um, summit when it mattered. So everything's off, and as let's face it, it's all very exciting to be hosting the BRICS Summit here on African soil, but in the end, the main question should remain whether there are any concrete resolutions, deals, or plans that come from the summit to improve economic growth in South Africa and in the region. Jeanette, what would you say the overall atmosphere is like? Well, when we talk about atmosphere, I don't know if you can hear the Zulu dancers and the songs in the background. It's all quite festive despite the weather. Um, I have to be honest and say that perhaps the rain has put a damper on any festive atmosphere that might have matched the very bright and sunny bricks logo used for the event. And also, as I said, there were some administrative futures and hurdles with accreditation early this morning and also problems with translation devices and services having plaguing, uh, been plaguing the fourth business forum, forum happening in conjunction with the summit here in Durban. But otherwise, quite festive and, um, yes. Jeanette, I understand several South African delegates from the private sector are, are there as well. The likes of Sim Shabalala, who's the joint chief executive of Standard Bank, he happens to be one of them. What happens to be on, on the agenda at the moment that they have shared with the media? Well, there were different breakaway sessions. Um, there were discussions around the possibility of a new development bank, a BRICS-led development bank, and obviously Sim Chabalala 
had a little bit to say about that. He has been reported as saying that South Africa would be the ideal place to host this bank. And uh, there were also discussions around energy, green energy and sustainability, boosting um, small and medium enterprises and thus, you know, getting more inclusive growth in the region. There's, as you mentioned, a talk about the development bank there among uh, several other projects. But on the development bank, are there any, has any mention been made as to what its core focus will be? No, unfortunately not. Um, South African Finance Minister Pravin Gordon has alluded to the fact that a deal has been finalized after the finance ministers from the different nations met this morning, but no details were forthcoming yet, which just emphasizes that although everyone is excited about this possible announcement that will be happening tomorrow morning, the actual functioning of such a bank, which is actually to rival the existing financial world order dominated by the World Bank and the IMF, might be years in the making. In the official program for tomorrow, provide However, there is a slot at 10 a.m. for a discussion led by President Zuma on the new BRICS-led development bank. So hopefully by then we'll get some more information on the mandate, the capital um, structure, financing, and where it will be hosted. Jeanette, let's touch on a story that you currently have, you rather have written for the MoneyWeb website, and it touches on trade relationships between the BRICS nations, and if these trade relations are actually quite equal. We're all aware of the fact that there have been chickens being dumped or imported in South Africa from the likes of Brazil, and South Africa's textiles and clothing industry has been suffering from the likes of China. What's the gist of this, and are there any other insights that were shared from Trade and Industry Minister Rob Davies? Well, he was very, very firm in stating he used, um, you know, the, the platform this morning where they had the business summit, and he used it to state that beneficiation and value add is of the utmost importance to South Africa. One of the themes from this specific BRIC summit is that the focus is not just on South Africa, but on Africa as a whole, and on the continent and the benefit the continent can get from South Africa's involvement in BRICS. But as uh, Dr. Rob Davies was very specific, stating that value add is important, beneficiation, agro-processing, because at the moment a lot of our resources are exported, value is added, and we actually import it again, which obviously is not good news for our balance of trade. Uh, Jeanette, uh, any in expectations as to what we can uh, hear about tomorrow? Well, hopefully, I mean, there's a lot of business meetings on the sidelines happening. Uh, for instance, today, Transnet announced that there is a cooperation agreement with the Development Bank of China. Um, a lot of numbers have been thrown around about a loan of about $5 billion U.S. dollars that's going to be given to Transnet. I've spoken to Brian Malefi. He said that that number is not accurate, but that it is indeed a financing deal that they're talking about. The projects still have to be identified. So I'm hoping for more things like this to come out of the sideline business meetings between the different delegations. Jeanette Clark is a journalist with MoneyWeb, currently at the BRICS Summit in Durban. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. You're still listening to the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb, currently 27 minutes past 6 o'clock. Simon, I want us to touch on uh, the BRICS Summit currently taking place in Durban. It's, it's a very big deal, evidently. Uh, it had some impact on our, on our market slightly, but a lot of good news coming out, seemingly. It seems as though there's partnerships with Transnet, as well as uh, some firms in, in China, as well as Coal of Africa. They're also signing up a deal with a Chinese coal firm there. And I think that is, I mean, the, the, the bank that they're talking about is perhaps the thing that we'll all look at, and, you know, as to 
and have said that it's going to likely take years and years and, and I'm not sure where we're going to fund the 10 billion US dollars to fund our portion of it but that aside we're going to look at that but in truth summits like this are really the little deals that happen on the, on, on the side you know the money to transnet is not a small amount and the call of Africa is not as well but it's an opportunity for, 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 for business people to, to meet other business people whom they t- traditionally wouldn't or who would, they would struggle to meet mm. uh, for example I mean the JSC's got to stand there as well undoubtedly there are a lot of Brazilian Russian Indian and perhaps Chinese companies you're suddenly discovering the JSC and, and we might not get a listing in the next year from it, but it's, it's creating that awareness. Now, these summits are always, you know, wherever they're held, but if they're held in your country, you, you get that edge in a sense. You know, for, for a business person to, to pop down to Durban, it's significantly easier than for them to pop over to, to Moscow or, or, or Beijing or something like that. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's incredibly important. I think we're going to see a lot more of these, these sort of side room deals, but I think the side room deals are significant and, and, and really stack up. One question. Given the fact that Nigeria just might overtake South Africa as the largest economy in Africa, are we still a relevant and the right country to be representing the rest of the continent? Ooh, I, I mean... I'm not sure that we're there to represent the continent. And in that sense, I would say, yes, we still should be there. But if Nigeria overtakes us, I mean, shouldn't then become the brinks or something? <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure that we throw South Africa out. And, and certainly, I think BRICS is probably going to end up something like the G20 or something. Mm. It's going to have to expand and expand.